Thank you to the praise team and thank you to Nancy. Can you guys hear me all right? I need to be higher. I see that some thumbs up back there. So my voice doesn't carry, I guess. See that, Jenny? I'm not that loud. <coughs> um, today is going to, there it goes, I can hear it a little bit. Today's going to feel a little bit like youth group as we get started because usually on Wednesday nights when we do a Bible study youth group, before we get started, just to get the kids chit-chatting a little bit, get them engaged in the Bible study, um, we'll ask them an icebreaker. And I know what you're thinking, like, wait a second, you got to do an icebreaker to get kids to be chatty? No. Let me rephrase that. We need to get them to, to focus on something, so we, we do an icebreaker. Uh, so we'll do this little icebreaker, and, and, and we'll ask them a question like, what's your favorite restaurant? And then we go around the circle, and everyone says it. Or we'll do something along the lines of, <clears throat> you almost there? Okay, good. Okay, so um, we'll ask them if they want to go, what their favorite restaurant is or where they're going to go or something like that. And, and they always have an a good answer. But today we're going to, we have an, I have an icebreaker for you as well. Today's icebreaker is this. What's your comfort food of choice? Do you guys, yeah. Well, say it again. Yeah, that's a good one. Smiley's ice cream. Okay. Anything else? Your comfort food? What do you got? Mac and cheese. Okay. 10 piece chicken nug from McDonald's. What else? Back there I heard something. Anyone else? Pizza, what else? Tuna casserole. Oh, time out, time out, time out, time out. Who said tuna casserole? Really? Man, I feel like that's the dish my wife makes when I did something wrong. But that's good. I'm glad that's your picking up. It's probably because your mom makes it really well. So I think I heard pancakes and applesauce or something. So, okay, so... Um, what, what I want you to look up on the screen here is you're going to see something. It's from the Harris Poll. Um, and it has like the, the top answers of, of comfort foods. So let's see if, if ours match up here. 15% was pizza. That was the highest. Seven for chocolate. Seven for ice cream. Five for mac and cheese. Four for chips. Burgers and steaks each got three. Pasta, Mexican food, and pizza, or popcorn each got two. So not too bad. And there were some other ones that were just didn't even get up the, on the board. But... Um, what they said was this, though, if you're over the age of 60, you make up the 7% of ice cream. So like the, a big chunk of those people. And then it also said that if you were female, you make up 100% of the 7% of chocolate, <laughs> which, which makes sense. So that's why we get girls chocolate at Valentine's Day and stuff. It actually didn't say that about the, the women and the chocolate. That was, that was me wondering how many of the 7% was, was women. But I don't know. So, well, the reason why I, I, I started with this today is because, you know, we, we have a comfort food, a food that we run to, that we enjoy when, when we need a little pick-me-up. But today we're going to be looking at something a little bit different, and I think it's a text. It's a text that speaks to my inner self. It speaks to the deep depth of in, what's in, going on inside of me. It speaks to my conscience. It speaks to the part of me that most of you will never see or never hear from me. It speaks to my sin-birthing machine that lives inside of me, and it comforts me. Let's pray, and then we're going to look at this text. Uh, dear Lord Jesus, may you use Romans chapter 7 to speak to us. May, may your words be a comfort to us. 
May you speak to our hearts, our minds, our souls. May it be your word that that works inside of us, Lord. May we hear it, and may we not reject it. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, starting with Romans chapter 7, verse 14. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate to do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, as it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is the sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me. Did you hear that? That's, hear that. For I know that good I know that the good inside, the, ah, for I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the very evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who does it, but it is the sin living in me that does. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin that is w- at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. Interesting text. Let's start real quick with what we talked about last week. Last week, we talked about um, where Paul asked this question. Paul says, hey, um, if if grace is good, if if forgiveness is good, should I go on sinning and sin even more so that I may be forgiven even more? And, and, And he responds and he says, no, may it never be that way. But what he's saying is it's easier to give in to the fight. Um, it's easier to give into the temptations around us than it is not to. And now what we're going to do is we're going to look at the next part of this, and it's this. It's where we transition from knowing we shouldn't sin so that grace may abound. We're gonna, so we're going to trans- transition from knowing that we shouldn't sin more just because we, we can get more grace to this different part of it. Okay, I know I shouldn't sin more, but what do I do when I just cannot stop sinning? You know, I get it that I shouldn't do it, but now he's saying... I can't stop. I have an issue. As, as, as Paul is writing these words, I think he sounds like an addict, doesn't he? Do you, don't you hear that and see that? I mean, I've been around people who, who have an addiction, and, and, and these are the words that they say. Paul says in verse 14, we know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. Here Paul says that we know that the law is spiritual and I am spiritual. These words, the, these words reveal to us so much about who Paul is and what his life looks like. The first part of what we should see here is a confession. Paul tells the people he's writing, he tells the church, he tells the Romans that the law is spiritual. He says similar things in other places and even in this book. What he's saying is that the law is good and it reveals God's holiness and it leads us to life and it leads us to repentance. And then comes the start of a confession that Paul says, but I am not. 
Paul says the law and himself are opposite. They're at war with each other. You know what I like about this text is this. Paul is one of the, the leaders in the Christian, the early Christian church, the, the, the Christian movement, the, the, the sharing of the gospel. And here we have somebody who is a leader. And what is he saying? He is saying that he is a flawed individual. Here Paul is, is saying, look, look at, look at me, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a slave to sin. He confesses that he sins and that he is beaten by his sin. He's owned by it. Sin is his master. Now think about it. Paul is coming out of Judaism. Uh, um, imag- image was everything, living up to a high standard, being regarded as one who has the ability to understand the Old Testament, the law, and, 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 and to obey it and live by it. That is how you rise in the ranks back then, by being good. He went from being a legend for his ability to follow the law to confessing that he has been a slave to the law the whole time. Just stop and let that sink in. Think through that. Think through what Paul went, went from. He went from one who went, he went from putting on a show and acting like he was always good to later coming out and saying, I am a sinner. I keep on sinning. Something is going on inside of me that, that, that owns me. And this is what the Christian life looks like. It's a real struggle. If Paul says he is a slave to sin, then so are we. But he doesn't stop there. He goes the, he goes the distance on this one. What I am about to read to you is is the comfort portion of this because Paul explains what is going on inside of him. And if it's going on inside of him, then it means it's going on inside of us. And that that we're not horrible. Well, we actually, in a sense, we are horrible, but we're no different than Paul. Because I think sometimes we think, man, if people only knew what really went on inside of me, if people only knew the truth, And then Paul says this, I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do, I do not do, but actually, I do the very thing I hate. Can you relate to this? Have you ever heard wiser words to describe the resentment, the guilt, and the shame that follows one's horrible actions? And then he says, I don't get it either. I don't do what I want to do, but I do the very thing I hate to do. Just this week, I had a friend stop by my house. The friend knows my pastor, so from time to time, this person will stop by, he'll ring my, my doorbell, and he'll engage me in conversation. This time when he stopped by my house, he rang the doorbell, I go out to the door, and, and it's a little different. The mood's different. And he looks at me, and, and it, and I can see it in his eyes. Like, I can see the breaking going on inside of him. And he looks at me, and he says this to me. He says to me, how do you gauge self-improvement? Now, I know and understand exactly what he was asking me. He was asking me this question, how is it that when I'm trying to do my very best, but I keep, when I'm trying to do my very best and I'm trying to be better at life, but I keep giving in to the pressures that are around me, 
Maybe I can go one week. Maybe I can go two weeks, but then I mess up again. And he, what he wanted to know was, is that progress? Am, 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 am I getting somewhere? Am I doing something? Because it won't leave me alone. When you have that constant nagging, constant temptation to give in. And you say no, 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 but then you said yes. And you felt like you just went from like here all the way back to, to the beginning. What game was that? Was that sorry? You know, you're going around the board and you think, oh, I'm almost there, I'm almost there, I'm all the way around. And then, whoop! And you go right back to the beginning, right? Sorry. I could see it in his eyes. I could see it in his eyes that he just went back to the beginning of the game. So I gave him some truth. I said, my friend, hold out your hands. He held his hands. And I said, if I put a coin in your hand, every time you did something good, your hand's going to fill up some coins maybe. But in the other hand, I put every time you mess up or you do something wrong, I put a coin in your hand. In every single area of temptation, in every single area where life's hard for you, do your hands going to go like this. You're going to have to take this hand to help hold the coins. You, you aren't going to get to where you want to be by being good. We need to know the law because it drives us to the cross and it drives us to Jesus. The friend who stopped by my door, I told him, you need Jesus. You are trying to do it on your own. You're carrying these burdens. But see, I don't have these burdens because I am daily renewed in Christ. I am daily forgiven in the works of Jesus Christ. Because of his life, death, and resurrection, my sin is taken from me. So you're standing there with these coins, and every time you get a coin for being naughty, okay, the coin goes in your hand, and then imagine Jesus going, boop, and slapping your hand, and the coin's gone. Do you get that? You put another one in, boop, it's gone. And each time you mess up, Jesus is the one who takes it from you. That's why I come talk to you. Gives me a hug, gets in his car and leaves. I'm like, okay, I guess that's the end of the conversation. <laughs> I'm sure he'll come back. But you know why he, he left feeling better? Because the law drove him to the good news. The law did it. My friends, this is what the Christian life, Christian life looks like. It's, it's hard. It's, it's, it's hard for us. It's hard for us because we know the truth, and yet we still mess up. That's why I hate it when someone says, well, if you loved me, you would have never have done that. Well, then you don't love God, because if you loved God, you would have never done what you did. Correct? I want you to see something. On a, we'll get to the board here. Let's go to the next slide. Let me see what it says here. This is it. Look at all the eyes in the statement. This is Paul writing, this is Paul's confession. He says, for I know that good itself does not dwell in me. Later on, for I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I don't want to do, I keep on doing. 
There's more to that as, as you keep reading. But what you are getting here, what we're seeing from Paul is he's saying, I am not doing what I want to do. I am messing up. I am, I am drowning. I am hurting. I am, I am buried by all the sin, everything going on around me. When Paul functions in his own right, on his own accord, in his own will, he's completely and unable to do what is right, and he says that. Have any of you ever been in trouble and have asked somebody, why did you do that? How could you have done that? Youth group kids should learn this text right here. And when their parents say to them, why did you do that? They should just look at their mom and dad and say, I don't know. I don't get it either. <laughs> I do the very thing I despise also, mom and dad. And we laugh and we giggle, but that's probably the best answer ever. What Paul is attesting to, again, is the struggle. He's attesting to the struggle that's going on. That even in our conversion, there is a sin problem. That there's an ongoing temptation and tempting that, that, that goes for us. There's so many people in the world who struggle with Christianity because they think that once they, 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 they have like this conversion moment or once they have this Jesus guy, that they'll be able to, able to, to not sin, that life's going to get easier. That now that Christ is dwelling, that I don't have Satan tempt me, forgetting that Satan also tempted Jesus. There's this uh, philosopher who, who runs in some some conservative circles, and his name is Jordan Peterson. People love this guy named Jordan, and, 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 they, lo and he, they love to kind of hear him as he, as, as he spits out his philosophies. But he just says, you know, I, I, can, I, can never, I can never be a Christian. It's just too hard to fully live out the Christian life. It's an, he says this, it's an unbearable task. And then he goes on, um, and somebody had asked him this question. And they said to him, so you can't be a Christian, but you tell people you live as if God exists. And he says, yeah, I do. I do live as if God exists. He said, because the fundamental hallmark of belief is how you act. It's not about what you say or think you say. It's not about what you say you think you think. And I'm thinking, man, you, man Jordan, for as smart as you are, you don't know jack about who Jesus is. Because it's not about what I do, but matter of fact, it's about what he does for me. It's not about my living. My living leaves me feeling like Paul does. Like what Paul says. It is about who Jesus is and what he does for us. I will agree with Jordan that it is hard to live out the temptations. And I'll, I'll agree with him that, that sin is a constant battle. I'll agree with him that, 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 that it's easy for us to mess up. But what he doesn't understand is that Jesus bears all my mistakes and all my burdens. He doesn't understand that, 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 that it's not about how I act, it's about how Jesus acted on my behalf. Being a Christian is about everything that Jesus has done for me. It's about daily going to that deep, rich well of forgiveness that he gives to us. Then Paul tells us, tells, tells us of a law that he sees a truth that he sees in everyday life, and he says it in verse 21 when he says, so I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. 
For in my inner being I delight in God's law. And he says, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind, making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. Paul, again, is not justifying his sins. He's not justifying his actions. He's rather just explaining what is going on in and around him. It says in the book of James, it says this, when it talks about how sin is, 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 is um, coming for us. It says, when, when tempted, no one should say he is being tempted by God, for God cannot temp be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But listen to what it says in verse 14. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. Inside each one of us, inside each one of our hearts, minds, and souls is, is, where so, is where sin is birthed, it's where it's nurtured, and it's where it's actually, I'll be honest, I, I think a lot of times it's where it's loved because we love our sin in the sense that we, we keep going back to it. It's a part of it, and it's the love-hate part of it that we, we hate it because then it makes us feel bad because then we realize we messed up, and it comes with some sh uh, shame and some guilt. About four years ago, my mom passed away. My mom, she got really sick and... and, and um, and as my mom got sick, here's what happened to her. Um, it was like the month of December, and, and my mom, she just loves being around the kids. She, she loves being around her kids, and she, she loves being around the grandkids. And, and in December, my mom was like, I'm, I'm just, I'm just, I'm too tired. I'm, I'm just tired. I, I, so she didn't hang out with the family one of the weekends, and, and she stayed home, and, and, and then she got some rest, and then she kind of got a little bit better, but and she got really tired again. And then, so she goes to the doctor, and the doctor says, you know, you don't have a fever. You're just, you're, you, he goes, I see it. I can see the, that you're tired and you're lethargic, but you just, you probably have a cold or something. You just need to get rest. And then my mom goes home, and she rests, and she's there. And, and this goes on for another week, but this time my mom's only getting worse, and she's only getting more and more tired. And, and the doctor says, hey, she goes back to the doctor. I see it. You're tired. I get it, but you're, you're fighting something. Go home and rest. Go home and rest. Well, my mom, about a month into this, three weeks into this, my mom is so tired. She's so worn out. She can't even move, and it's only gotten worse. And, and my sister-in-law takes her to the emergency room and says, my mother-in-law is sick. Do something. And they look at her, and they say, well, she doesn't have a fever. She's just tired. And my, and my sister-in-law says, she's not leaving the hospital. There's something wrong with her. So they, they admit my, my mom, and, and, and here's what the doctors couldn't see. The doctors couldn't see that my mom had a heart condition. My mom had, developed, had gotten a disease from, from donating plasma, and, and she got a disease that was basically eating away at her heart. So her heart wasn't functioning the way that it should, and, 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 and it's in that same way that we have a disease in our heart and in our mind, and in our soul. But Paul identifies it in, in this text. It doesn't go unnoticed. It's actually noticed, and, and, he, and, he, and he speaks to it, and he says to, to us, I have a heart problem. I have a sin problem. And Paul goes on and says, what a wretched man I am. And then if you go to the last slide, yeah. 
What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? You know, when you go and you look up the word wretched, you know, it's, it's despicable. It's a scoundrel. It's a villain. It's a criminal. It's a delinquent. A person who is good for nothing is what it says. Who will, will, will rescue this good for nothing person? And then Paul closes with this, or in this portion of the text. Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. See, that which I can't do on my own, Jesus Christ does for me. I don't have to be perfect. I don't have to walk around here and act like I don't live without sin and guilt and shame. What I need to do is walk around and proclaim that which he has done for me. All that he has gifted me with. And this is Paul's confession as we look at this. Paul's confession is, 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 is that he's a sinful person inside and out. But he is delivered through the good work that Jesus Christ has done for him. Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus lived the perfect life that I wasn't able to live. Jesus is the one who beat the daily temptations that I wasn't able to beat. Jesus is the one who didn't give in and to sin when I did get given. And Jesus is the one who was the sacrifice for not just my own sin, but for yours as well. Let's pray. Dear Lord, this is a comfort text because who could actually love me if they knew everything that went on inside of me? You do. You love this wretched person and that is the comfort that I have in knowing that it's not about me, but it's about all that you do for me. In your name we pray. Amen.